Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. Hi. Today we're doing Ephesians chapter 4. So I was thinking about the first verse, how it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And what I was thinking about was how if we really thought about walking in a way that or in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, that that would have so many implications on how we live. Um, and it would affect what what we say, what we choose to do. It would really have implications on our behavior, how we interact with the opposite gender, how we treat people, um, how we honor people. Um, it would cause us to want to act with greater integrity all just in all areas of our lives. And I was thinking that another way to think about this is... Um, that this would be like living under the gaze of God. I think if you if you really thought or had a greater awareness of God's gaze upon your life, it would it would impact um, your thoughts, what you choose to do. It would just impact everything. And then I was thinking about how it's in contrast to what it says later in verse seventeen, where he says, "You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do." Um, in the futility of their minds. And then he lists out all of these things, being darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. And then it says, giving themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then um, later on, it it says in 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And and then... um, you know, in verse 25, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood. So um, when it says walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, it's in direct contrast to our old way of life. And, um, you know, all of these things that we just living in deception. And so um, anyway, I was just thinking about how there should be a clear um, difference in how we live. Um, and What's going to help guide us to live differently is going to be a greater awareness of God in our lives. I was focusing a lot on um, the section of 11 to 16 and just thinking about the picture of the church, the structure of the church as it's um, given here. And, And this is a very popular, famous passage that we memorize in a lot of discipleship courses. And um, as Ephesians, as Apostle Paul in Ephesians is talking a lot about the church, uh, is just really drawn to this because I think this is a picture of of uh, the church and how we're supposed to function. Um, first of all, it's God is the one who gives these different roles: the apostle, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And a lot of Christian, um, uh, you know, thinkers and writers about this t- call this the apest model, and that these are different attributes and aspects of leadership that we we need within the church. Um, but I was saying God is one who's placed um, our leaders, uh, our mentors in these roles to for what though? And the text tells us in verse 12 to equip the saints for works of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So the leaders, uh, the mentors are here to help um, guide me and um, you know my leaders as well as I'm supposed to help uh, equip um, Christians, believers, so that they can uh, do works of ministry and to build up the body of Christ and that there is this kind of goal and this purpose that we have and uh, what does that look like and um, 
I think it tells me, first of all, though, that the church is not some sort of uh, haphazard institution and we just meet on Sundays and come together just once a week and that we're not just loosely affiliated with each other or and that we're more than just some some club or a group trying to have a good time. Of course, we, we do have a good time, I think, and but that's not the main basis for which we're, we're connected with one another. It's this purpose of, of doing ministry, of working, and um, you know, what are the leaders preparing us for? And it's to love people, to share the gospel, to rescue lost people. And I think um, that reflects the fullness of Christ, as we see in verse 13. And that process requires us to become mature. And furthermore, we see that. But when we first start in the in, in the body, I think verse 14 tells us that we start as children often. And sort of like that, that there's a process of maturity that happens within the church. And I think when the church is, is designed to do that, it's to raise us and to build us up. And I don't think that's easy. I think that's really hard, actually. And there's so many of our character issues and habits that... You know, we're, we're of course loved and accepted by the gospel, but just like I love my children, you know, I'm never quite, uh, you know, satisfied with where they're. I want them to grow and mature and build up and become, you know, better, fuller human beings, so to speak. And I was thinking about this idea of shaping, and I think a skit, guys, you know, that skit where uh, the one guy is like, "Hey, can I, uh, God, I want to serve you, I want to follow you, so mold me, shape me." You know, it's like we sing that song, you know potter's hand and oh wow so beautiful but but then that actual process can seem really painful and the skit guys there's uh, the guy acts like god and he's kind of chipping away and it hurts the guy he's like oh i'm gonna chip away some anger some patience some lust whatever and the guy's like ouch 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 but i think that's just true to life as as we are getting chipped away at our character and our habits like that's a painful thing but it's not just some invisible force it's the, it's the church it's being raised and becoming a spiritual mature person and that's our mentors our leaders our peers who are doing that. And I think, man, this is one of the hardest things about being within the church and being a close community. And, um, you know, like I said, we're not just a club that comes once a week. This is, we're, we're in each other's lives and this is the kind of process that needs to happen. And um, and I think this, uh, in verse 15, it kind of shows that how does this happen through speaking the truth and love? You know, it's in love. Like you can't just have love and can't just have truth. All love is just smothering and spoiling and all truth is really harsh and condemning, but it's both. And I think that's embodied in the life of Christ who through the cross tells us, man, you're such a wretched sinner, but also it tells us, man, I love you so much. And that's what we need to do uh, for one another, to be committed to one another in that way. And that's how we're supposed to relate to one another. And as I was saying, I think this is one of the, the hardest things, but it's what we're here for. And that's, that's the, it's like family. And I think uh, I see the best of this in my kids when they can kind of call each other out and, and be like, hey, you're so loud or you're so whatever. But and also, man, you're, you're really good at this or you're really good at that. And I think that um, creates uh, a real beautiful uh, a connection and building up uh, of one another. And that's what we're, we're to do for one another, to sharpen each other and to build up the body of Christ for good works. All right. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye.